Morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Bates, um, uh, one of the elders here at One Hope, and it's just such a joy to be preaching in person again. Can't tell you how much more enjoyable it is to preach, even though you're all behind face masks, uh, to people than to a camera. So, yeah, just a joy to be here again this morning. Um, we've prayed a lot, but I'd love to pray one more time before we get into the scriptures, uh, because the Lord knows we need him, eh? Thank you, Father, that you're good, and uh, we need you. We love you, uh, and you are a good Father. Would you come and speak to us through your precious, powerful, and beautiful word this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, guys, what a great morning. Thank you, Matis and the team from Kin. You guys are doing such incredible work, and I really encourage you to have a chat with them afterwards. They'll be at the back there, just about more about the kind of work they do and how we can support and get involved with foster care and orphan care in South Africa. I'm going to start with a statement this morning before I get going, and this is the statement. I am adopted. Now, some of you think you know my parents, um, and, uh, but I'm, I'm adopted, and I want to expand that statement to all of us and say, in fact, no matter who you are, where you come from, what your situation is, who your parents are, you actually also need to be adopted. And the beautiful thing is, for all those who would have it, we can all enjoy and embrace uh, adoption into God's family, which is amazing. And uh, that's what I want to chat about a bit this morning. Together in, um, in the book of Romans, we're going to look at a few verses. Uh, but before I do that, um, I meet with a group of guys weekly um, at Calling Academy. It's a high school just down the road here. And uh, I meet with a group of grade 10 boys. It's our third year together, and it's been awesome. Um, but this week, I asked the guys the question in light of the sermon I was going to preach on, who here lives with your biological dad? I said, put your hands up. And um, waited for a moment. And I, I'd love you to guess how many guys put their hands up. Who lives with their biological dad? You guessed it, none of them. Of those nine boys, not one of them lives with their biological dad. And so the reality in our nation and in our world is that fatherlessness is real. It is so, so real. And so if you've grown up with an earthly dad, it's a great privilege to have a dad. No matter what they've been like, it's a great privilege to even have a dad who's been around. I would reckon that's just as my estimate, probably 50% of our nation has grown up uh, in a single parent home, probably with their moms. And so when I speak this morning around adoption and our good father, God, who, who calls all to be adopted into his family, the emotions that come to mind and to heart when we think of our dear father might not be positive. They may not be good depending on what your experience of your earthly father has been. And it can really carry a real lot of baggage with it. And so I'm very aware of that this morning as we come to this topic, that that might be the case. Your experience might be the opposite. Maybe you've had a really good dad on earth, and that is a great, great blessing. So no matter where we fall on that spectrum this morning, I think this morning is truly applicable to all of us. We all need to be adopted into the family of a good, perfect, loving, kind, and gracious father that is God, the one true God. Um, and so, yeah, I feel it is appropriate, as we've shared on this Orphan Sunday, to talk about 
adoption in Christ. Um, it's just this beautiful, Christian, biblical, wonderful idea and concept and doctrine, and it'll be beautiful to have a look at it a bit this morning. And so you may be asking, maybe it's the first time you've heard it, or you've heard this idea, adoption in Christ in church a lot, be like, what is it really? So I really hope this morning we can unpack that a little bit together, and um, it'll mean more uh, for you this morning. I'm really hoping that as I, as I preach this morning, uh, that if you are a Christ follower, this morning's message will really create a deep assurance, deep, deep assurance in your heart that you are an adopted child of God. And if you're not, if you're seeking out God, if you're pursuing Him, if you're trying to figure out who He is, I really cre- I hope that this morning as we talk about this, a deep desire will grow in your heart to want to be adopted by God the Father. So we're going to dive into the scripture now, and it'll come up on the screen in a moment. It's uh, in Romans. If you've got your Bible with you, you're welcome to open up. Um, it is always really helpful to have your own printed text that you can read in. It's Romans chapter 8 and verse 12 to 17. Uh, before we dive in, I would just say that there's many places in Scripture that speak about adoption. So our scope is going to be quite narrow this morning with just these four or five verses. Um, but I think there's a lot in there for us. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation in English. Um, so your, your translation, depending on what it is, might have slightly different wording here or there. Um, but here we go. Okay. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 to 17. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your spiritual nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if, through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Verse 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own child, own children. Now we call out to him, Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm or to assure us that we are God's children. Then verse 17, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. So that's our text for this morning. We'll unpack that a little bit in a moment. But the question I want to pose to everyone sitting in the room this morning, and if you're listening online, the same question to you is, are you adopted? Are you adopted? I don't know if you've thought of this question before. To be honest, in in preparing the sermon, I hadn't really even thought of that, like, I'm adopted, that kind of idea and concept. And it's it's a really beautiful one. And the question I pose to you this morning is, are you adopted? And in answer to that, I would say, if you are a Christ follower, you are adopted. You're an adopted child of God. You've got a place at the family table. He is your good and perfect father. Your identity is as a son or a daughter of God. You belong. You haven't earned your way or worked your way into this family. He said, you are my adopted child. Come. You are mine and I am yours. If you're a Christ follower this morning, you are also adopted. J.I. Packer uh, is quite a well-known Christian author and theologian. He wrote this phenomenal book called 
knowing God. And in it, he, he taught about adoption and he said this. He says, adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers. Higher even than justification. Justification is a legal term for being made right with God or you having your sins forgiven. So it's higher even than justification. It's the one thing it's one thing for God the Father to forgive sinners. It's entirely another to adopt them into his family. Yet that is what the Bible teaches. We are not merely forgiven. We are graciously invited into God's family as his children, co-heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. This fact is not to be kept secret. It is a beautiful, beautiful fact that if you're a Christ follower, you're an adopted child, of God. You're accepted and loved. You've got a place at the family table. And as we share communion later, just after the service, it's a reminder that we come together around the table with our older brother, Jesus. And we get reminded of that final meal that he had together with his disciples. And we get to celebrate the fact that we've been welcomed and adopted into his family. Now I want you to picture this scene. It's a courtroom scene. Should be an image up there to help provoke the thoughts. It's a courtroom scene. And uh, I'm standing there in front of the judge, and I'm guilty of committing a terrible crime. Standing there, and I feel certain as I stand before the judge that he will judge me guilty. And I'll face the punishment that comes with that. I'm gonna, the, the punishment is death. I'm going to be given that verdict. And as I stand there and I look at the judge, he looks down at me and he says, Bates are light. Although I know you've committed this crime, I declare you not guilty. And my eyes are open wide. I just think, what? What's just happened? And this huge sense of relief just comes over me. And my, I can't even believe my ears. And straight after the judgment, I, I go up to the judge and I, I ask him, how is it possible? How is it possible that you know I've committed this crime, yet you've declared me completely free, innocent? And the judge turns to me and he says, well, Bates, there's a law in our nation that says if, if somebody voluntarily offers themselves to take the punishment for your crime, we allow that, and I can declare you not guilty. And as I stand there before the judge, I, I ask him, but who on earth would do this for me? You know I'm a criminal. And he looks at me with a tear in his eye and he says, it was my son. He gave his life for you. And I look up and I say, but, but what? I don't deserve that. I don't deserve to be, to be set free on your son's account. He says, no, you don't. You've done nothing to deserve it. He gave himself willingly and freely. And as I stand there pondering my freedom and my innocence, I soon realized that I don't, I don't have much of a life to go back to. This crime separated from me from my family. They won't take me in. No one will employ me because they know what my, I've done. And so my head starts to drop a little. And as I'm just about to walk away, the judge just embraces me and hugs me. And he says this, Bates Allah, today you have become my adopted son. I exclaimed to him, what? How, how can this be? And he says, don't worry, my boy. All the paperwork's done. All the legal work's done. You are mine, and I am yours. All that I have is yours. 
Today you're my son. You're part of my house. You have a seat at my table. You're not just forgiven and free to do your own thing. You're my boy. Come home with me. And this is a picture of what adoption looks like in the spiritual sense. We're not just forgiven by God, not just justified. He doesn't just say you're free to go and do your own thing because we'll destroy ourselves. He says, no, 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 you're free, but come with me. You're mine. And he welcomes us in and embraces us into his family. And this is the beautiful picture of adoption. The amazing thing about justification, that kind of legal Bible term of forgiveness of sins and adoption is they're both legal terms. And they both require someone to go and do it on our behalf. It's beautiful. And so when we're forgiven by God, if we come to him and, and, and believe in him and turn to him and ask for forgiveness, he doesn't just set us free, but he welcomes us into his family, which is absolutely incredible. It's not just being made right with God. Yeah, he chooses us. He forgives us. He sets us free. He gives us hope of eternal life with him. And the incredible thing, and this really struck home for me, is that God didn't have to do that. He didn't have to adopt us into his family. He could have forgiven us because that is just incredible. He could have just forgiven us and said, go for it. But he says, no, come and be my child. He's chosen to adopt us as his children. He really didn't have to. Praise God for that. And we get to enjoy all the incredible privileges and blessings and joys that come with being his children. And so we're going to turn back to our scripture this morning, Romans, in Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at some of the characteristics of being an adopted child of God. And so here we go. The first one is that adopted children have a family likeness. From chapter, uh, verse 12 to verse 15, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you, are not, you have no obligation to do what the sinful nature, or the flesh, maybe in your translation, urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh or the sinful nature, you will live. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And so if we're led by the Spirit of God, we are adopted children. That's what it says here. We are adopted children of God. The same Spirit of adoption is the Spirit of God. It's the very same Spirit. And so as we're filled by the Spirit of God, we get that incredible privilege to have God dwelling with us daily. We also start to change and become more like Him. It's like as we spend time with our family, our own friends, we rub off on one another. Except the amazing thing about God and His Spirit is He doesn't just rub off on us, but He actually empowers us to change and be different. And so when we're adopted, we become like God. Slowly but surely, as He is holy, we slowly start to become holy as the Spirit of God works in us. Our attitudes change, our behaviors change, our, um, our words change, the way we think, the way we speak starts to change. It makes me think of my little boy Samuel. And as him and I spend more time together, I realize more and more his little mannerisms, his little sayings, uh, his little way of being starts to change. And I kind of can't believe I say and do some of those things, but I do. And so we start to cha change as we're around one another. And, you know, Sammy doesn't just have the surname Arlite, but he's actually start, he's like 
being and our light and the way he behaves and thinks and does things. And, and it's the same with adopted children of God. We don't just, we don't just bear his name, but we start to look the same as him. We don't just bear his name, but we start to look the same. And so that's the first characteristic of adopted children of God. The second one is that um, we get this incredible privilege to have deep, intimate relationship with our father. So I don't know what your experience of, was like or is like with your earthly father and how intimate your relationship is, but we get the deepest sense of intimacy with God the Father. We get the privilege to have access to that. Verse 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call out Abba, Father. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed that little saying before. It seems a bit weird. It's like, Abba, Father. That doesn't sound like English. What is that? But yet they've left it there. They've included it. And what it is, it's not the Swedish pop group. It's a special word in Aramaic which they've left in the otherwise Greek New Testament. So all other words around that in the original text are Greek, except this word, Abba. They've left it there. <clears throat> and um, in, the, in that context into which this was written, um, that Aramaic word would have been used in a very like, day-to-day term, a very familial term, familiar term. And so when the Jews prayed, they would never have used this because they saw God as far and distant. And I could never use this kind of word. But Jesus used this word, Abba, Father, we think specifically where he prayed in the garden, Abba, Father, he was familiar, had a son-father relationship with God, and he encourages his followers to do the very same. He encourages us to pray, our Father in heaven. And so we are called into this very same privilege of having deep, intimate relationship with the Father. When I was thinking of this word, I thought of like, you know, describing to you um, in very plain English, a wonderful Saturday afternoon bry in the Cape summer, just, you know, tanning some steak over the fire and how wonderful it is, and then throwing in the word lacquer in there, you know? And that would be an Afrikaans word amongst English words, but there's just no better way to describe what a bry on a Saturday afternoon is like than to use that term. And it's maybe a bit of a trivial, silly example, but it's, in this text, it's the same. It's, they, they, they kept it in the original Aramaic because it describes an intimate, personal access and relationship that we can enjoy as Christ followers with God our Father, which is just amazing. We can truly come boldly before him, running into his arms, as Hebrews tells us. I think of when I pick up my little boy Sam from school, how he sometimes just comes and runs and jumps into my arms, fully trusting that I'm not just going to like sidestep him or hand him off or like turn the other way, but that I'm going to accept him and welcome him in. He's mine. He's one of my boys, you know, and um, he's in my family and I love him. And we can experience that kind of relationship with our Father God. And so I need to throw in a quick little sidebar. Depending on what translation you're reading, um, the one we've uh, read, it says children, but in the other translation it says the word sons. Now you might be thinking, if you're a lady in the room, but does that exclude me? Does God not want me as a child? Uh, And the answer would be no. It very much includes you. And let me just quickly explain why the word sons is used there in the original Greek. 
The reason it is, again, is because of where the scripture was written to. It was written to Romans in the Roman context in the first century. And in that context in the first century, um, all the rights of inheritance were given to the eldest son. In fact, in that time, if a, a father didn't have sons, they would adopt an adult son, so that he could inherit everything that they had, which is just crazy, and usually an adult male and his whole family sometimes, so they could inherit all that they had. So the privileges of inheritance and everything that the father had were given to the sons. And it's beautiful what Paul does here, the author of this uh, scripture in Romans, he says that all Christians, both men and women, can enjoy this privilege with God to have him entirely and all that he has is ours. And so it's a beautifully inclusive term and it's a wonderful emphasis that Paul's putting on here. He's saying, if you're a Christ follower, you can enjoy uh, that privilege of all inheritance and sonship um, with God, which is amazing. There's this wonderful little term in that verse as well uh, where it speaks about us being um, not receiving a spirit that makes us fearful slaves. And so just in thinking about that, what's the difference between a slave and a son? What's the difference between a slave and a son? And it's a huge contrast if we think of it in our minds, if you think of a household even. Slaves perform duties, but sons perform acts of love. Slaves dutifully obey because they have to. Sons and daughters gladly obey. Slaves are motivated by fear of punishment, but sons are motivated by a love relationship with the father. Slaves ask what's required. Sons ask, what else can I do? The spirit of adoption changes us from fearful slaves to joyful sons and daughters. And so we're no longer slaves to fear, but we're sons of freedom. We're no longer slaves to fear. We're sons of freedom who get to experience intimate relationship with Father God. What a joy. Okay, so the third characteristic of adopted uh, children of God is that we get to know that we are part of the family. Verse 16, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm or to assure us that we are God's children. And so as as a church, we've been going through the Alpha series together with a few of our friends. Uh, Many of you are part of it. And often in these Alpha conversations, uh, the question will come up, but how do you know that you're a Christian? And it'll typically be from someone who's uh, investigating faith. They're not yet a convinced follower of Jesus to someone who is a Christ follower. So how do you know you're a Christ? uh, uh, How do you know that you're a Christian? And often the first and seemingly vague answer will just be like kind of off the bat, I just know. (laughs) And they're like, well, that's pretty unconvincing, right? And of course, we could point to a whole lot of um, a few things in the scriptures that uh, assure us that we're children of God. We could look at many of the promises in God's word. We could look at the work that Jesus has done on our behalf. But there's something beyond that. There's something more to that beyond the facts. And that is the experience that I have, that I know, that I know that I am a child, an adopted child of God. 
And so what is that experience? Well, it tells us in the scripture, it's the Holy Spirit of God or the spirit of adoption or the spirit of sonship that is poured out into our hearts when we become Christ followers that affirms to us that we can, and, and we can experience that we are children of God. We can know. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're a Christ follower, you can know that you know that you are a child of God. Be completely assured. No matter your circumstances, no matter what happens, no matter what curveballs happen, what behaviors you do, you can know that you know that you're a child of God. Uh, One of the guys who walked with Jesus, his name was John, he writes in one of his books in the Bible, he says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. How confident is that? And that is what we are. We can have that same confidence. Now, what's the significance between, uh, of, of God calling us adopted children. He could have just said, you're just, you're just my children, you're born into my family, but he calls us adopted children. What's the significance of that? And I'd love to share uh, just some of the reasons he does that from our own experience, my own family experience. So we've got a little girl, her name is Felicity. She's five weeks old, you would have seen her in the pram here. And she's just an absolute miracle and grace gift to us your testimony Sunday, I'll be going on about that for quite a while. Um, and we had no intention of necessarily having Felicity. We had tried many uh, uh, for years to fall pregnant, didn't, and uh, we'd really surrendered that thing. And then there we go, February this year, Jen's pregnant, and there comes Felicity. So she's an absolute grace gift to us from God, and I love her. She's just a precious little girl. Um, And then we've got another little girl who's coming. And her name's Zara, but she's going to be an adopted girl. And she's still coming in the future. She's not with us in our family yet, but she's coming. And um, the amazing thing with uh, Zara is that from the moment God clearly uh, instructed us that we need to adopt a girl, it was probably about, I think it was a year ago, just over a year ago now, till the moment she becomes an Allah in our family, will be a, probably a journey of about three years or more maybe, um, and it's a long journey, and it's intentional. It's tons of paperwork and legal work and this and that and emotional roller coasters. And then she'll become an Arlat, and she'll be part of our family. It's impossible, or it is possible to have a biological child without intending to, but it's, it's impossible to have an adopted child without intending to, without intentionally planning, choosing, enduring some of the pain and suffering and emotional turmoil to adopt a child and go through that process. And so we are not by accident children of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, he has chosen you from long ago. He's done all the work, all the hard yards for you to become one of his special chosen adopted children. What a joy. And because of that, we get to enjoy intimacy, closeness with him. He isn't just like, come along, I'll pay the bills and we go along. He's like, no, 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 come, I'll be close to you. You can know me. You can journey with me. And so that's our third characteristic. The fourth one is that adopted children are full heirs. How are we for time? Okay, we're going to go quickly. Uh, Adopted children are full heirs. Uh, Verse 17, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we share his glory, we must also share his suffering. 
And so what is an heir? An heir is the child in a family who receives the inheritance. In other words, everything that is the father's comes to them. But the beautiful thing about Christianity is way more than just getting God's stuff. We get him. That is the great inheritance of a Christian, uh, is that we don't just get God's stuff, we get him. If you were to ask any child, I would bet, on this earth who hasn't had an earthly father, would you rather have a loving, intimate, caring, protecting dad or a lot of stuff? They might say stuff, but I bet in the heart of hearts of every child, they would desire a presence of a dad that they could know. And that's the privilege of being a child of God. You don't just get his stuff, you get him. And yes, we do get his blessings. In this life, we get some of them. When he returns afterwards, we get all of them. We get to enjoy all his stuff, which is incredible, because what does God own? Everything. <laughs> and if we as heirs, that means we get everything, which is just incredible, which is maybe we should stop fussing a bit about our stuff, <laughs> like our houses and cars and stuff, because it's all ours one day. Um, but anyway, that's a sidebar. The point is that the beautiful inheritance that we get as children of God is him forever. It's amazing. It's, it's quite phenomenal, really. Jesus, as our older brother, co-heirs with Christ. Does that mean we're exactly like Jesus? No. But God sees us in exactly the same way. We have the same status, the same position. God sees us with the same eyes and with the same heart that he sees his very own son, Jesus. Coming along with that then, is that we get to experience some of what Jesus experienced. And that includes suffering. And maybe we don't want to hear that, but the more we go along in this life, the more we can all agree and nod our heads, suffering is a part of our existence. It's a part of our daily lives. We'd be fools to ignore it or just pretend it's not there. Suffering is a part of our daily lives. But the incredible thing of being a child of God is that we get to suffer with Him. We get to suffer as Jesus did in the perfect will of the Father. In other words, our suffering is not purposeless or meaningless. It has greater purpose and greater meaning beyond this life. Added to that, we don't just have to suffer alone. It's just not me here in my corner crying, you know. But the Lord suffers with us. In fact, he came and suffered so that he can fully sympathize and empathize with us in our suffering and be there by his Spirit with us and our suffering, helping us to endure. And I know there's many situations in the room here where family illness, where personal struggles are very present. Suffering is there and real. And I just want to say to you this morning, God is with you. He's with you in the suffering. Although it might not feel like it, your emotions don't say the same thing. He is with you, helping you to endure. And you can call on Him and trust in Him at every single moment. It is incredible. And so that's one of the great privileges we get to enjoy as children of God is to, that God walks with us through our suffering. We are full heirs, and so we inherit all that God has. He is ours, and we are his. That's beautiful. And so those are the four characteristics of an adopted child this morning. We have a family likeness. We start to look like him over time by the power of his spirit. We get to enjoy intimate relationship with him. We get to know that we are his and we are fully his heirs. And so we're going to come into land this morning. And you may be asking, well, this is really cool. It sounds amazing. It sounds nice. But why on earth do I need to be adopted? 
I'm just okay as I am here, carrying on with my life. And I did say pretty strongly up front that I think everyone needs to be adopted. But why? And so here's the short answer. The short answer is this, that whoever we are, whoever you are, you have one of two fathers, spiritually speaking. <laughs> Do you know they are? I'm sure you, can, I'm sure you know. It's either the devil or it's God. Those are the two options. We're in one of two families, the devils or God's. There's no middle ground. In our day and age, we love to have a kind of middle gray area and I can kind of be where I want. No, no, no. There's two options, biblically, and that's the truth. Either devil is our father or I am. And I didn't just say this, guys. Jesus said these words to a group of Jews in the scriptures when he was on earth. He <laughs> said, your father is the devil. That's hectic, eh? You don't want to hear that from Jesus <laughs> or anyone. Um, but that's the truth. Your father is either the devil or God. And that's why we need to be adopted from one family into another. From one family that leads to destruction and death and pain to one that is life and grace and joy and discipline and love. And so the question rests with us this morning, then who is your father? <laughs> who is your daddy? <laughs> Who's your father? Is it God? Or is it the devil? Nice to have a laugh this morning. It's been a bit intense. Eh? And the beautiful thing, as I've illuminated through this morning, is that God adopts. And if we know the adoption process, uh, it's the parents who are adopting, who do all the legal work, who do all the hard work, who make the decision, and the child then comes along. And it's the same spiritually. God has done all the work. We just need to say yes basically. I believe in you. I repent of my sin and I turn to you. He's done all the work in his son Jesus, in his life here, his death, his resurrection and his ascension. It's, it's amazing. He's done what needs to happen in order for us to just be able to turn to him in repentance and say, yes, Lord, I want to be your child. We're invited, every one of us, to Enjoy those privileges and benefits and obligations of being children, of being his adopted children. Can we stand together this morning as we close? We are going to share um, a bit of juice and snacks uh, for communion uh, after we've prayed together a little bit. Um, and I'd love to just pray uh, specifically for you if you want to become a child of God. You've heard the stuff this morning. You're not quite sure, am I actually a child? And you want to become a child of God. You want to be adopted. I want to pray for you, and we can have a beautiful moment this morning where you are welcomed into his family. And then secondly, I'd love to pray for you if you are an adopted child of God, that the deep assurance of the Spirit of God would be so real to you this morning that you would know that you know by the power of the Spirit of God that you are a loved, adopted child of God. So we're going to pray now. You can close your eyes. If you are one of the people who says, I would like to become a child of God. I don't think I'm a child of God. I don't think I'm adopted. And you would like to become a child of God. Can I ask you to raise your hand now? Or if you're at home online, just in your heart. Can you raise your hand and say, yeah, I want to start a relationship with God. I want to know him as my father and we can pray together. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. You can just stay where you are. Is there anybody like that?
Okay, for anyone who might be at home, we're going to just pray this prayer uh, together now in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, for your forgiveness, and for your sacrifice on the cross for us. I'm sorry for my sin and that I've walked in the opposite direction from you. And I thank you for your forgiveness that you've granted me through the cross of Jesus. Lord, help me to follow you all the days of my life. Come and fill me right now with your spirit of adoption. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to pray for you if you are a Christ follower. Can I ask you to put your hands out just in a posture of receiving and saying, yes, Lord, I want you. And I just want to pray that the Spirit of God would fill you right now with such a deep assurance of his love and his adoption. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are our older brother, that we have the same Father, Father God. And thank you for your presence with us, Holy Spirit. I pray right now just for a fresh and a beautiful infilling of your spirit for every individual sitting in this room who is a child of yours. Come and fill them right now, Lord God. Fill them with a sense, fill me with a sense of love. Father, we don't just want feels, we just want to know that we know that we are yours and you are ours. Come and fill us with a sense of assurance, Lord God, right now. And thank you right now, Holy Spirit, that as we pray, you are coming and just whispering in each of our ears and in each of our hearts, you are mine and I am yours. You are mine and I am yours. Thank you, Lord God.